Filthy Henry Case Files. Out of Luck. Part 2. Filthy Henry didn't spend much time at the two crime scenes. There wasn't much to see, or at least, nothing that hadn't been seen with expert human eyes already. He could have sworn the magical trail of smoke got darker the closer he got to the Liberties. The Liberties was a warren of some of the oldest streets in Dublin. Layer upon layer of urban dwellers, building on top of each other over centuries. Up to the 1990s, it had been one of the more spectrally active places in the city. Filthy Henry had gotten plenty of work from those little streets once upon a time. But he had to stop taking jobs there. They paid very little and they took too long. The typical ghosts in the Liberties were lonely old biddies just dying to tell the fairy detective their stories from back in the day. These ghosts were trapped by nostalgia of their own time in Dublin. Of the crack they had and the friends they made. Unfortunately, this meant that they never passed on, cursed to seek out the crack for all eternity and never quite find it. Filthy Henry's favourite ghosts were the drunk Thirteen, who had died during the Great Whiskey Fire of 1875. It was a gruesome story how they died, depending on your point of view. They hadn't burned to death, but died of alcohol poisoning from drinking the river of spirits leaking onto the street during the fire. These harmless spooks were occasionally seen vomiting and singing their way around the empty streets in the witching hour. However, the ghostly activity had stopped suddenly in the 90s. Not that it bothered Filthy Henry. It meant less phone calls. But his curiosity had been piqued as to the reason why, so he investigated. It turned out the locals had started putting a statue of a white lady in their windows. Not just one or two windows. Every single window their homes had. The statue could be seen everywhere in the Liberties. It was even mentioned in tourist books. If you asked one of the denizens what it was, they would simply say the White Lady was there to protect them and they didn't know where she came from. Filthy Henry, on the other hand, had more educated sources to draw from. He had not, after all, been born yesterday and he was half human, half fairy. Not to mention, after all his years dealing with the fairy folk, the explanation just did not wash with him. Through his own inquiries, the fairy detective discovered the statues were made by a company on Parnell Street. They were perfectly terrestrial, and in the 90s had become part of the spiritual fabric of the area. Filthy Henry knew well that one of the old Celtic gods would have been in there straight away, claiming the adoration directed at the statues. As they were imbued by wishes for protection, it was likely some god was keeping the other spirits quiet while soaking up the worship. If you were one of the ancient gods of Ireland, keeping ghosts happy with second nature. You just showed them a little slice of heaven. Filthy Henry hoped to God wasn't behind this strange run of extreme bad luck. They were immensely powerful beings, and usually quite implacable. He doubted it though, as the status quo had been in place for thirty years, and the worship of the statues was at its peak. The fairy detective turned onto Francis Street and stopped short. A good way ahead of him, 
he could see a roiling black cloud over a derelict-looking building. From this distance he couldn't be sure, but he also thought he could see scores of black cats roving back and forth around the entrance. That same smell was present, and had grown more intense as he rounded the corner. This might be what I'm looking for, Filthy Henry thought. As he approached the building, the fairy detective groaned. With that many black cats, it would take ages to get rid of the bad juju he would accumulate just seeing them. Filthy Henry gritted his teeth as he stepped through the throng of attention seekers. Bloody black cats, the fairy detective thought. It's impossible not to hate them. Sitting at the door to the building was an extra large version of the cats around his legs. He flicked on his fairy vision and sure enough, could see that this cat was surrounded by a glowing blue hue. It wasn't a cat, not really, but a caught sea. Morning, Filthy Henry said in a friendly voice. Half-breed, the fairy said coldly. Half-breed was how Filthy Henry was known in the fairy world. It wasn't so much an insult as sanctioned racism. Filthy Henry cocked his head. Uh, do we know each other? You look familiar. We have met before in Bunty Dooley's, the courtesy replied. Oh, good night, was it? Filthy Henry asked cautiously, a thousand evenings of drunken revelry passing through his mind. Due to his magical nature, Filthy Henry couldn't get drunk, so any damage he did while drinking was all on him. You gave me a saucer of milk, the courtesy said. Filthy Henry let out a sigh of relief. Ha, that sounds like me, all right. Generous to a fault. I'm lactose intolerant, the cat-like creature replied. It messed me up for days. Well, sorry about that. It was probably meant with the best of intentions. Do you have a name? Riddles, the courtesy replied. Oh, here we go, Filthy Henry thought. Well, Riddles, I need to cross the threshold of this house. Would you have any objection to that? Not if you've no objection to me sucking the soul from your body, half-breed, Riddles replied. Exactly the sort of thing Cotsey would say, the fairy detective thought. It's just that I need to speak with whoever is inside. I think the black mist leaking from this building is killing people. Clouds don't kill people. People kill people. Or sometimes fairies kill people, Riddles said. I really can't take no for an answer. Someone has clearly broken the rules. What do I care about the rules? A statement, definitely not a question. The rules are for fairies with more power than a simple caught she has. Humans have nothing to fear from me or my kind. And to be honest, we gain nothing by exposing the fairy world to them. Doesn't matter, the fairy detective said, sticking his hands in his pockets and glaring down at the caught sea. The rules must be upheld. And since no other fairy has taken on the job, it falls to me. Now are you going to move your tail? Or do you want to be known forevermore as the caught sea who let a load of humans die? And believe me, if the man upstairs gets wind of that, he'd be down here like a shot, and you really don't want that. Generally filthy Henry preferred not to invoke Dagda's name directly when threatening fairies, just in case he turned up. All right, all right, the caught sea said, glancing around for some support from the other cats. There's no need to be hasty. I can't just let you in. You have to solve a puzzle for me first. Them's the rules. And if you're going to invoke them to get by me, well, you have to play my game just like any other fairy would. 
You solve my puzzle, I'll let you in. You don't, I get your soul. Well, that hardly seems fair, Filthy Henry said. Back in the day, I would have expected a round-the-world cruise for my soul, or untold riches, not just entry into a building, to sort out a problem that I didn't even create. It's the fairy way, and you know that. You want something, I have it. I'll make you a counteroffer, Filthy Henry said, reaching into his coat pocket. How about I wave a ball of string at you, and you try and hit it with your paw? Riddle snorted. What do you take me for? A simple house cat? Filthy Henry produced a piece of string from his pocket and waved it in front of the fairy. The courtesy stiffened but didn't move. Leave road, hug him, Filthy Henry encanted. A bright red ball appeared at the end of the string. In truth, Filthy Henry had not conjured it from thin air, but rather transported it from his office desk. He waved it once more in front of the caught sea. Riddle's eyes glazed over, and a primal instinct took over. He leaped from the doorstop at the red ball. Filthy Henry twitched it out of the way, and led the fairy away from the door. When he was a sufficient distance away, he threw the ball and string into the air and shouted, Dousa! The string continued to jiggle in the air of its own accord, and the red ball continued to bounce around at the end of it. The courtesy was joined by several other cats as they jostled to get at the bouncing ball. Filthy Henry wouldn't hear the end of that if they ever met again in Bunty Doody's bar. Which was likely, considering it was the only fairy bar in Dublin that served a half-breed such as he. It was also unlikely that Filthy Henry would remember not to buy Riddles more milk. In his mind, when he saw a cat, he thought milk. Lactose intolerance be damned. The fairy detective turned towards the door of the house and noticed for the first time that it was magically locked. Although it wasn't a protective lock, rather, it was the sort of magical lock designed to keep mortals out of a building. Anyone with magical ability could spring the lock by using a tiny amount of magical intent. Focusing a spark of energy on the locking spell, Filthy Henry caused the door to open and allow him to proceed inside. The house stank with the same oily industrial smell. Filthy Henry gagged a little as his nostrils adjusted. The fairy detective noticed the smell existed whether he used his fairy vision or not. Almost as if across the boundary between both the human and fairy worlds. It most likely wouldn't be good for his lungs to inhale too much of the stuff. It would be like smoking a hundred strong cigarettes and washing them down with turpentine. Filthy Henry took a handkerchief from his pocket and made a makeshift mask. He looked around with his fairy vision activated. Magically, there wasn't much to see. The decor inside could have used a bit of touching up. The wallpaper was peeling everywhere, and there was a thick layer of dust on the floor. He heard the sound of footsteps in the room above his head. Looking at the stairs directly in front of him, the fairy detective cautiously began to move up to the next floor. Filthy Henry took the steps two at a time, being of the taller persuasion. After three strides, he felt his front foot slip out from under him and he collapsed against the wall and rolled back several steps on his side. Ouch! he cried. What in Dagda's name? The fairy detective looked up the stairwell and saw a banana skin on the step he had slipped on. Messy buggers! he thought to himself. Filthy Henry picked himself up and proceeded with more caution, a step at a time, looking out for other hazards. As his foot landed on the thirteenth step, the step snapped in half and Filthy Henry pitched forwards, 
his foot got caught awkwardly. Shasab Lodger, he shouted quickly. His body froze in the air and gently righted itself. Filthy Henry gingerly removed his wedged foot from the broken stair and used the remainder of the spell to float the rest of the way. He looked back down the stairs in disgust. Someone could do themselves a serious injury here, he thought. Filthy Henry tiptoed across the landing, being careful to check each floorboard as he went. Unfortunately, each one he chose creaked loudly, as if every choice he made had resulted in the worst possible outcome for someone trying to keep a low profile. The ferry detective decided to abandon stealth and strode towards a room at the front of the building, preparing a protection spell as he went. He opened the door to the room he believed was occupied and stepped in, arms raised. There was nothing remarkable about the room, except a lady in a wedding dress standing in the centre. That is, of course, unless you considered the tendrils of hellish-looking oily smoke coming off her head where her hair should have been as unremarkable. Who are you? the woman asked him, surprise in her voice. Filthy Henry blinked. This wasn't a sight you saw every day. I'm Filthy Henry, the fairy detective, he replied. Oh, I've heard of you, the woman said. To Filthy Henry's eyes, she was clearly a fairy of some sort, albeit one that was worse for wear. She was tall and slender. The wedding dress she wore had seen better days and was shredded and frayed at the ends. Her face was gaunt, as if undernourished, and her cheekbones cast dark shadows on her face. Her eyes were her most striking feature, bright green but with a sad sheen of water on them, as if she'd been crying. They call you half-breed, but I wouldn't be so crass. And you are? Filthy Henry asked. Anya, the Lady of Luck, Anya replied. Filthy Henry hadn't heard of a god or fairy named Anya before, but that really didn't mean much. There were a lot of ancient Celtic gods. He couldn't be expected to know them all. Those are some uh, gnarly dreadlocks you got there, Anya, Filthy Henry said. Anya's face reddened. She self-consciously brushed her hands across the smoky tendrils. They passed through without disturbing the flow of the smoke. These aren't mine. This only started happening recently. Usually I'm a blonde. Uh, do you always wear that wedding dress? That might make you stand out a little, Filthy Henry said. So when did your bad hair day start? Anya lifted her hands in exasperation. I can't seem to get rid of it. It started a couple of days ago. It smells awful, and I've been trying not to let it out of the house. The smoke swirled above her head, as if with a mind of its own, and darted towards the closed window. But my strength is waning. I don't know if I can hold it for much longer. I think some of it might have got out while I took a little nap. Any idea what it is? Is it alive? Filthy Henry asked, eyeballing the cloud. I know exactly what it is, she said. It's pure, unpasteurized bad luck. Oh, luck is uh, usually pasteurized. I had no idea, Filthy Henry said. No, it's just a turn of phrase. This vortex isn't alive as such. It just needs to perform its function. It needs to make bad luck. Well, this is the first time I've seen it, and I've had plenty of bad luck, Filthy Henry said. Anya shook her head sadly. Until you've touched bad luck in its purest form, you've not experienced it fully. I fear my good luck has run out, and as a consequence, I've been overtaken by bad luck. 
You mean you're currently producing more bad luck than good? Filthy Henry asked. Exactly. Usually I produce the same amount of both. They cancel each other out, so the world gets the right amount of good and bad luck. Any idea what's caused this? Anya looked shamefully downwards. She moved to the corner of the room and beckoned him to follow. He could see a large wooden casket there. Big enough to fit a body. Hopefully not mine, he thought. She opened the casket and waved a hand, displaying its contents. Lottery tickets? Filthy Henry said. You've been doing the lottery? Yes, yes, but I've never claimed a prize, she said quickly. It was just a bit of harmless fun, a distraction from my duties bestowing luck to the people of Ireland. And uh, how many times did you win? Filthy Henry asked in amazement. All of them, she replied. But each time I've chosen a human to receive the prize. These are their tickets, the ones I replaced without them knowing. Everything was fine until a couple of days ago. And what happened then? I lost. And the moment I did, my head began belching this horrible oily muck. I can't let humans come in contact with it, or the consequences could be dire. Filthy Henry decided to be economical with his information sharing. He didn't want to be the one to tell a god that she had failed her only job. Fortunately for her, in the Celtic pantheon, a couple of lives lost to accident, whatever the reason, wouldn't justify any scrutiny. But the world losing its luck might, and Filthy Henry could think of a certain group of magical beings that would take an exception to that happening, particularly when luck was their bread and butter. Filthy Henry looked up at the cloud. If a goddess was having trouble containing it, what chance did he have? He needed another solution, and fast. Uh, you aren't by any chance still doing the lottery, are you? Oh, yes. Euro millions is 90 million on Friday, she said enthusiastically. Uh, it's just that you might be on a bad streak, having run out of good luck. Perhaps you should take a break. Anya looked horrified at the suggestion. But I have to buy the ticket. Otherwise I have zero chance of winning. Filthy Henry took note of the resolute look of determination on her face. I'm just suggesting a short recess to see if your powers return. Oh, I couldn't possibly take a break. Someone else might win then. She said the last as if explaining a basic concept to an idiot. Filthy Henry nodded in agreement and smiled a humouring smile. I'll be right back, he said. Just need a moment to grab something that might help contain all that bad luck. Hurry back, detective. I really don't want to miss tonight's lotto jackpot, Anya said enthusiastically. Filthy Henry stood on the street outside, shooing away black cats. He was delighted to see the caught sea still enjoying itself so much with his ball and string. The fairy detective thought about Anya's problem. It was times like these Filthy Henry wished he could invoke Deus Ex Machina, maybe call in the big guns to do some god-level magic. But he knew his summons would go unanswered for the most part. Even gods the fairy detective was on really good terms with would only turn up if there was something in it for them. As far as the fairy detective knew, gods made their own luck. They didn't need to rely on anyone else for that. It was clear Anya was unaware just how much of the bad luck was seeping out. The fairy detective figured, given how fragile Anya's mental state seemed to be, telling her what was going on because of her powers being on the fritz was not a smart move. Luckily, pun slightly intended, Filthy Henry had the kernel of an idea that just might save the day. 
Being a fairy detective was no different to being a regular detective. You spent years building up your skills and contacts, not to mention lists of enemies and people who wanted to do you harm. Amongst all that came the infamous favour trading. Now, in normal private detective work, that was not exactly super impressive. Some tips from a police officer or a locksmith who owed you a favour were handy to have, but very immortal. Filthy Henry, however, was a fairy detective, which meant when he did favour trading, it came with an extra side of magic for good measure. Helping someone out in the fairy world could lead to some very powerful favours being granted for use in the future. Given that the fairy detective was doing the job for well over 60 years, meant he had managed to collect a few very interesting favours. One of which would work perfectly for helping Anya out. Not to mention getting the bad luck going on around the city to stop. The only problem was using this favour. While for the greater good, it definitely put Filthy Henry at a disadvantage. Needs of the stupid masses outweighing the needs of little old me, the fairy detective said to himself. He reached into his left coat pocket and pulled out a small metal disc. It could have, under different circumstances, been considered a coin. But only if coins were things that had no interesting designs or imprints on them. For Filthy Henry, however, this non-coin represented something much more. It was a token. One that could be used to call in a favour. A favour the fairy detective had been holding on to for well over 40 years. Just waiting for the ideal moment to use it. Sadly, it seemed, that moment was now. Balancing the token on the side of his hand and sliding his thumb up under the edge, Filthy Henry flicked it up in the air. It launched with a satisfying metallic plink sound, spinning several times upwards before vanishing from sight. You! A lyrical voice said from behind him. Oh, this must be my lucky day! Filthy Henry turned around and looked at the puka. Ah, it worked! I was fully sure you'd give me something that would explode the second I used it. You know, being one of the fairy folk, and therefore totally untrustworthy until proven otherwise. Are you daring to impugn my honour? You, a half-breed! The puka took a step closer to Filthy Henry, and raised one fist in the air, waving it back and forth like it just didn't care. All right, Shawneen, no need to go embarrassing yourself in public by having me teach you a lesson in fireballs. The summoning was performed using a token that represented a chit between us. I'm calling that chit in, meaning you and I would be square. Meaning, the next time we meet you can try and kill me and not risk breaking the rules. Shawnee and Fada eyeballed Filthy Henry, then lowered his fist and let out a deep sigh that somehow sounded like regret. The puka was chubbier than the average of his kind, and looked a lot more pleasant to the eye. Puka typically came in two different varieties those who relished in providing bad fortune on mortals, and those who favoured good luck. Depending on which branch you were, your appearance changed. When born, all Puka looked the same, a bland and neutral configuration of body and face. It was not until they hit puberty, somewhere in the early 200s, that they gained a taste for a particular type of luck. While the majority of Puka in the old stories were of the bad fortune kind, that was just a public relations thing. Mortals, as they had a tendency to do, would have spent their entire lives hunting down a magical means of good fortune if it meant they no longer had to perform some hard work. So the puka had ensured that no stories about their good fortune folk ever made it into mortal hands. Unluckily for them, Filthy Henry's hands were half fairy. 
You know all about the two types of puka in the world. I swore a blood oath to kill you, Shawnean said. Filthy Henry raised his hands quickly. I'll stop you there, Shawnean. First of all, the blood oath was because you thought I'd cheated you out of a wish. But I didn't. Secondly, after you tried to kill me in plain sight of a dozen other fairies, and several mortals, you were stopped. Your penance was the chit I've carried round for years, waiting for an opportune moment to use. That moment, as it happens, is now. Shawnee and Fada's brows furrowed. It was not what he had expected or dreamed about. Where Filthy Henry was concerned, most fairies' fantasies involved dark alleyways, knives, and the fairy detective's untimely death. But to Apuka, the chance to get a token back could not be overlooked especially a token that was in the possession of the only half-breed the fairy world had to worry about. It was an opportunity on par, with stopping some pimple-faced youth from hacking into the nuclear silos, all because they thought it was a game. All right, I won't kill you today, and you can call in your chit. What is it? Shawnee asked. I just need one little thing from you, Filthy Henry said. I knew it! More favours, you chancer! It's a small one, I swear, and it's not for me. It's for you and, well, everybody. Do you know who the Lady of Luck is? Oh, yeah, of course. Lovely woman with a sad story, left waiting at the altar. Well, she's running round a little empty on good luck at the minute, which is causing a whole lot of bad luck to be pumped around Dublin. I think she may also have a gambling addiction. Gambling addiction? She's a god half-breed. Shawnee said. Gods don't suffer from mortal addictions. This morning I would have agreed with you, but go upstairs and try talking to her about giving up the lotto. She won't hear of it. The thing is, if we don't stop her, I think this bad luck thing will get a whole lot worse. Shawnee frowned. What do you mean, stop her? I mean, stop her gambling, or more accurately, cure her. We need to get her to rehab. Rehab? Sounds very human, Shawnee said dubiously. And I'm not talking about some weekend in a soft Irish retreat. I think we need to banish her to the US and make her do it properly. The full eight weeks and twelve steps. That's where you come in, sunshine. This is madness. How can I banish a god? Shawnee asked. You have to work with me here a little, Shawnee. I can't do all the thinking, Filthy Henry said. You're a good fortune puka who can alter the fate of a person by merely being in their presence. Surely that works on the other fairy folk too. Can't you just go up and grant my boon to Anya and have her see she needs help? The puka frowned further and pondered what had just been said. After the longest minute of filthy Henry's life, the fairy nodded his head and looked up at the top floor of the building. That might actually work, he said to the fairy detective. You need to keep that rehab idea framed in your mind for the next ten, maybe fifteen minutes. That way, when I use my magic, the boon will absorb your thoughts and project them over her. If it works well enough, we can expect her to think rehab was her own idea, and she should teleport away, appearing in the best place money has to offer, with an appointment booked in for as long as is needed. Filthy Henry shrugged his shoulders and turned around to look up the top floor. Fair enough, he said to the puka. And let's do it. Shawnee and Fada looked at the faint stream of smoke coiling out of the upstairs window and shivered. Agreed. But you owe me one. A boon isn't exactly transferable, 
I'll not be doing something on this level for free. Filthy Henry knew those words could mean anything coming from a fairy. Double speak was second nature to all the fairy folk. They were constantly playing word games with each other and any mortals who strayed across their paths. The reason being, if you did not precisely choose your words, you could end up owing a lot more to the fairy than you intended. Filthy Henry hadn't survived for nearly a century as the only half-breed in town without picking up a few tricks of the fairy trade. All right then, a small favour, Filthy Henry said. Akin to helping somebody move furniture or delivering a package. Nothing more than that. Still sharp as a whip, I see. Okay then, a small favour. They shook hands to seal the magical deal. Filthy Henry knew, in puka parlance, a small favour was anything that didn't involve serious harm or a mountain of debt. As they shook on it a third time, golden sparks flew from their hands, sealing the pact. Without another word, Shawnee clicked his fingers and disappeared. The fairy detective closed his eyes and focused on the exact wording of his boon. Lush, lovely fancy room in the best rehab centre the free world had to offer. All expenses paid with insured help as the end result. He stood outside the building for twenty minutes, just to be safe, then opened his eyes and looked up at the skies. Filthy Henry took a deep breath and entered the house again, immediately walking upstairs. Anya was no longer there, but the cloud of bad luck was. There was a nimbus of golden energy surrounding it, keeping it enclosed and preventing escape. Tendrils of oily smoke probed the inside of the magical bubble, but to no avail. Standing beside the bubble of energy was Shonin. Back to above, the fairy swore. She was worse than you let on. I mean, I've seen people cursed with bad luck before, but not on that level. Is that everything? Filthy Henry asked, pointing at the ball of malice. The puka nodded. It is indeed. Once the boon kicked in, she was able to eject all the bad luck. I just had enough warning to capture it. There is some residual that seeped into the building, but mortals will steer clear of it from now on. Stories about it being haunted will spread. Nothing to worry about. I'll take this ball with me and lock it up somewhere. Nobody's going to find it. When Anya is fully recovered, it will automatically turn into good luck energy and dissipate. Job done. Excellent, the fairy detective said. Pleasure doing business with you. Always a chore, filthy, Shawnee said before both he and the ball of bad luck vanished from sight. The fairy detective returned downstairs and noticed the black cats had dispersed, presumably because of the haunted effect Shawnee had said the building now possessed. With a spell, he retrieved his ball and string from the caught sea, who immediately slumped to the ground exhausted. How could you do that to me? he asked, gasping for breath. A necessary evil, I'm afraid. I couldn't have you taking my soul while I was on a job. Now before you get near a high horse, I need a favour. Someone needs to keep watching this building for a while. Absolutely no one is to enter. Your mistress needed a holiday, and I obliged. For how long? As long as it takes, really, the fairy detective said. Shouldn't be more than eight weeks provided she gets with the programme. Very well, but for her sake and not for yours. You're a strange one, half-breed, the courtsy said. I've heard that before, Filthy Henry replied. Filthy Henry met Downey in Portobello, near the canal, 
to deliver his update on the case. Downey would probably go for a dip in swan form after their meeting, especially if he was peckish. The furry detective recounted the details of the case and the likely outcome once Anya finished her treatment. Sounds like we may need to keep a close eye on her for a while, Downey said. Yep, just until she can get her addiction under control, Filthy Henry replied. And what they tell Fahey? the leerling asked. Well, not the truth, obviously. But tell her you believe the cases were just pure bad luck. I don't think she'll find any evidence to the contrary. There is one thing I don't understand in all of this, Downey said. Which is? Did that house cat actually manage to push that piano out the window? I mean, power to weight ratios and all that. It couldn't have. Who knows? Perhaps the bad luck gave it an extra push, Filthy replied. He handed the leerling a slip of paper. Downey opened it, read what was written on it, then looked up at the fairy detective with shock in his face. Are you serious? he asked Filthy Henry. My services aren't cheap, the fairy detective said. Besides, it's all public sector money footing the bill. You wouldn't want the bad luck to return, would you? Downey said nothing and folded the paper back up, slipping it into his back trouser pocket. There's a good swan, Filthy Henry said with a wink, before turning around and walking down the canal. The fairy detective couldn't quite put his finger on why, but right then, he was feeling lucky. Filthy Henry Case Files Out of Luck is an original story by Derek Power and Niall Milton. Music and production also by Niall Milton. Other works by Derek Power are available to buy right now on Amazon Kindle. And don't forget to subscribe or leave a rating or review on your platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>